Welcome to Worldview Matters. This is Bob and Ross. Bob, how you doing this morning? Ross, I am recovering from the flu. I think I'm the first person who got it this season in the country, so I ought to get some kind of an award for that. Well, I'm not sure whether you should get an award or whether you should be chastised for not getting your flu shot, but we'll leave that uh, we'll leave that for you to decide. Well, I've already been chastised quite a bit by my wife, so thank you very much for reminding me of that, buddy. Well, the question now, was our country chastised in the recent election? I know we've talked about Islam for the last two or three shows and certainly have more we could talk about about Islam and will at some point. But I think what happened just this week uh, would cause us to change a little bit and look at something else. So my question to you, Bob, is what direction do you see our country going in? Or was the election some sort of confirmation about a worldview direction for our country today? Well, we should make no mistake that the election certainly was a bellwether announcement, a feedback sheet of a worldview that is prevalent in U.S. culture. You know, Ross, we have been talking about Islam, and I think one of the comments that we made in the past is that really only about 2%, maybe to 6% of Western populations currently, and I say Western populations, Ross, I mean I mean Europe and the U.S., okay, the Western nations. Only about 2%, maybe the maximum 6%, adhere to Islam as a worldview. But naturalism, we talked about that some in the past, and I want to talk with you some more about it today because I think that the election did reflect more and more of a commitment to naturalism. Naturalism is the worldview of the vast majority of people in American life now, and uh, either whether in its soft form or in its more hardcore form. Well, tell me, do you, do you think this is a, is a clear indication? Do we, what do we do about this? How does it affect uh, the overall uh, thinking process of our country? Uh, what do we, um, what's the direction that this could take us in? I mean, this opens up Pandora's box of questions uh, because I, I think that if, if you had someone to check a box, if, you, if the U.S., the entirety of the U.S. voted and said, do you want to go in the direction of Marxism and communism, it'd be 99% no or 98% no. We do not want to do that. Do you think we're heading in that direction? Now, I believe the vote would be, well, yeah, I think we probably are a little bit more. So when you find a vote that's 50-50 for a naturalistic worldview, uh, in light of that earlier question, do you want communism? What does that say about either the mentality, the understanding of the people? Um, is there another component in here, which is greed on the part of individuals? There's a, there's a real healthy mix here of those thoughts and questions. Well, I think you're right in, in, uh, in, observing that there probably is a complex mixture, sort of an ideological cocktail that's being served up to the American people. But, but one thing I think we do need to recognize is that just like Islam, 
there is an outworking of naturalism that has an agenda. It has a philosophic system. And I believe it even has a jihad, a struggle that's embedded in it. Uh, the prophet and lawgiver of Islam, as we've talked about, was Muhammad. But the prophet and lawgiver of this new form of naturalism, and I'm going to shock you when I say this, Ross, but I'm going to say it anyway, is Karl Marx. Hmm. There's an economic system that's being fostered upon the American system and socialism. There's a political system that is gradually gaining traction. There is a system of law. There is a view toward religion, and certainly the social institutions of our culture are being affected by it. It's not happening overnight, but it's happening nonetheless. The entire 20th century has been setting the stage for what we're seeing now emerge in the 21st century, and there's growing evidence that America is moving systematically and definitively toward a communist state. Now, I don't think, as you said a minute ago, that most Americans voted for socialism, at least knowingly, but implicitly they did. Now, some may have been voting against greedy capitalism, and some may have just been voting for their, their wallet, but what you and I are talking about is that underlying what we see happening in the political realm it's this underlying worldview. And Ross, that's what I wish we could talk about today and maybe for the next couple of shows. Well, I think it's worthy of that because uh, certainly what we're seeing here is incredibly pervasive. I think the election, uh, well, I think some thought that it would go exactly the way it did. Some thought it would go another way. But let me see if I can understand the continuum that you're talking about here. When you say 20th century, you're talking about really the last, we're 12, we're 12 years into the 21st century, but you're talking about the last 100 years. Now, that goes back to, all, this goes back to pre-World War One. So if you look at World War One, which was really... 1914 to 1918, and then the Treaty of Versailles in 1919. Then you've got the period from there to, I think you would say, the World War II, although September the 1st of 39 was perceived to be the start. It really was probably a few years before that, as as you saw Hitler doing what he did in, in 37, 38. Have we been in this trend only since the war, or... Has it been earlier than that? Okay, that's that's one kind of question. I think you can see post-World War II a tremendous trend toward personal, you know, we had a, had a great period of time after World War II of growth in this country. And every every generation wanted to leave their offspring in better shape than before. So you see probably at the beginning or the beginning of the period after World War II, possibly there was some great, a great viewpoint about what we wanted as a nation. But that has gradually moved into to a socialistic mindset. And it seems to me like that in the last 30 years or so, that this has begun to gain momentum and either 
like a snowball moving down downhill. Am I am I off, or is that kind of what you're seeing or saying when you talk about the last century? Well, actually, you know, your your snowball illustration is not a bad one. And like a snowball, uh, it probably didn't just start even in the last century. In fact, I don't believe that it did, Ross. I think it goes back to the century before that and probably even the century before that. And we've talked about that some in the past, that, that uh, you know, modernity, uh, the idea that, that where naturalism and deism began to gain their own traction and root system, that really began back with Descartes and Nietzsche and you know, John Locke and Voltaire, you know, uh, Hume, all those philosophers of the 1700s. But I think that what we're seeing happen in American life today really began and crystallized with the ideology of Karl Marx and, and, uh, and, um, and Engels. And, and, you know, that began in earnest at the beginning of the 20th century with the revolution that took place in Russia and most Americans, I think, believe that communism basically has sort of fallen off the map, that, you know, the, with, uh, with the fall of the Soviet Union and now that China has sort of gone to almost a capitalist, at least a capitalist-based economy, I think most Americans go, hey, communism, that thing is, that ideology, that's, that's old news. But in reality, what's happened is communism has not gone away. Socialism and Marxism has not gone away. The prophets and the priests, and I use those terms intentionally because it, it is a religion. The prophets and priests of Marxism are on our university campuses, Ross. They're, the, they're on a, the faculty of Harvard and Columbia. Hey, look, I went, I, I went to Columbia back in the 60s when some of the same things that were being said by Mark Rudd and the Students for a Democratic Society. I hear that same, those same conversations happening today, but they're happening in in, in a broad politic uh, public arena. And it's boy, it's like, hey, I've heard this before, and uh, and I'm seeing it take place in our culture today. It's just now becoming more and more popular. And it's not being talked about as communism. It's being talked about more of the idea of how can the government help you out? How can the government help you? And Ross, you have to understand something, that that is socialism. And in socialism, socialism as, a, as an ideology, as an economic system, must shift wealth from private hands into public hands for it to be successful. And Ross, I mean, look at some of the news items in the last four to ten years, and you see that that's what's happening in American life. Well, it's clear It's clear as a bell. Uh, and what seems to be – let's go back and a couple of things I'd like to say. One is – we have had a tendency to shy away from saying any, saying anything about our system and our thinking process and calling it communism. It's easier to say socialism, and only in the last couple of years has that become a part of the debate that's taking place in our nation to discuss socialism. So when we talk about communism, that's probably the – not necessarily the end result, but that's that's the next point 
beyond socialism. So, and, and what you're saying is very, very important. I don't mean to interrupt you, but socialism is the economic engine of Marxism. And we can talk more about Marxism later, but it's important that we understand that, that socialism is the engine, the economic engine behind Marxism. And there's an agenda there that we need to be aware of. You know, another thing, I think when we, we're talking about this as worldviews, we're not, let's not, we're not talking about what happened in that, this election. That's emblematic of what we're discussing here. We're talking about systems of worldview. And let's look at that as we are, I believe, very concretely, very specifically with a high degree of focus on a belief system and how that belief system is played out and what the the trend is, how that plays out over periods of time and what the end result of that is. So let's we haven't mentioned any presidential candidate here at all. All we're saying is this is what we see and this is how it seems to play out based on what has happened before. And well, I believe that that is a very legitimate discussion to have in terms of worldview matters, because worldview, as you say, it's not only an ideology, it is a, it is a religion, it is a thinking process that inculcates uh, a person's thinking and a person's being. Well, you're exactly right, and I appreciate you for bringing us back to the reality that we're not talking about the political systems of U.S. life or about the recent election, uh, but they do leave. But worldviews affect everything. They do affect everything. And you and I have had this discussion uh, before off the air that there are some planks of the Democratic platform that we love, and there are some planks of the Democratic platform that we aren't as fond of. There are some planks in the Republican platform that we love, and there are some planks in the Republican platform that we're not quite so fond of. So you're exactly right in saying that under, underneath both of these political party agendas, there is a worldview that's often skewed. And I believe the underlying worldview that is fueling a current view of Marxism. Now, nobody's going to say that because, gosh, I, we go back to the to the uh, to the hearings in the fifties where you know everybody was being accused of being a communist. So we're not going to probably go back to that anytime soon. What's probably even more sinister, and let me use that word, sinister, is that even though we're not talking about communists as a communist agenda in the West, there is a communist ideology, a Marxist ideology that is slowly permeating our culture. And our listeners need to be aware of that. Well, and I think that if we simply would would read or we could relate what the Marxist ideology is and say, this is what it says it is, and here's what we see. So the linkage between the two is not something abstract or obtuse. It's pretty direct and pretty clear, and I believe that's what we're talking about here. It's a way of thinking that's permeating our system today, and I think it's uh, almost incontrovertible that that's what we see. And as you said, from socialism is an economic style where you are transferring wealth from the individual back to the government. And if, if you look back over the last few years, the takeover of 
of uh, General Motors. That's a good example of that because what happened was they took General Motors, they took it away, the bondholders and the stockholders, and they gave a good portion of it to the unions and to the government. And now the the ability to pay back is very constricted and whether we will ever be paid back as a nation or not is up for grabs, but that's there there, and in other areas the government took back over as opposed to letting it go through the normal system that we have of bankruptcy and reorganization. That was not allowed to happen, and our system had in place a way for that to happen, but it was not allowed to happen. Instead, we took it over. So that's a, a great example of what you're talking about, and uh, we hear the term redistribution. Uh, that certainly is taking things from one and putting them into another hand. Maybe taking from one segment of the society and putting it into another segment of the society is step one. Step two is that the government will take that back over. And increased taxation is exactly that uh, that idea. Well, gosh, Ross, and uh, I'm going to quote, you know, Yogi Berra, you know, I'm having deja vu all over again. I right. mean, th- this is so, so similar to the conversations that we had in my economics classes back at Columbia in the late 60s and early 70s. And here's what we have to realize. And boy, I'm going to drop you a bombshell here, Ross, that we may not finish today. We may have to take it up in our next show. But you have to realize something that. Everybody's talking about this incredible crippling debt that we have amassed as a nation. No, I, and Ross, you're you're the guy that that traffics in the in the monetary sector. It's not me, but I don't know what the public debt is now, but I know it's in the trillions and trillions of dollars. About okay? 16, a little over sixteen trillion. And sixteen. I'll come, yeah. That's a number that's so hard for us to get our arms around. I mean, I know people are trying to contextualize it by saying it's so many hundreds of thousands of dollars for every man, woman, and child in the United States. And, About 45000 Yeah, and if we continue to increase it, it's going to be even more exponential by the time our children and their children are older. But here's the point I want to make with you, that socialism, and especially Marxism does not care about that debt. In fact, that crippling debt, not only is it not a problem for Marxists, it actually sets up the dialectic. Now, you have to know Marxist theory to talk about what the dialectic is. Most Americans don't, they think that's some kind of something you do with your kidneys, but that's not what the dialectic is. The dialectic is this, is the ideology that progress, which leads to an ultimate world order, a perfect society, that that progress occurs in the dialectic. It occurs in the midst of conflict, crisis, and chaos. So, Marxists teach that every there's a tension between an old system and a new system that exists, and that very tension leads to a new and better system, ultimately leading to a utopia. 
Now, here's why I believe there are, I'm not saying everybody in the federal government and certainly not everybody on Main Street, but there are certainly some ideologues in American life, many of them on university campuses that are looking at the debt and going, this may be the catalyst that sets up the next dialectic struggle, this crisis that leads us to this new emerging state. You see, Ross, where we're going here? Not only are we do, do we have people trying to bring down this crippling debt, I believe we may have some people applauding the fact that it's taking us to a crisis state where something new and better, in their understanding, is going to evolve. Interesting on two fronts. Let me go back a second. I think the listeners understand that neither you nor I are teenagers. We've, we've been around for a while. I only say that to say that you were in college at a time when this was a, an extremely high level of focus because I graduated from college prior to you. You were in college a few years after me and were right in the center of this original hippie generation and and movement into the the extreme social conflict area and so i have my bell bottoms hanging in my closet (laughs) and you were in a school i was in a more traditional southern school you were in the in the very hotbed of this kind of thinking inside the city of new york and in columbia university so you experienced this significantly more than I did. And I believe what you just said is incredibly important and probably the good launch point for our next show and maybe a core that runs through that, the, the shows that we will do hereafter on socialism and this direction, because this doesn't happen with the flip of a switch. It didn't happen early on with the flip of a switch. It happened in small incremental amounts, and that's exactly what we've seen here recently. The trend, can anyone deny that we are on a trend of socialism? I think that very few would be able to argue that that's not correct. And if that is correct, and the ideology of the socialist is Marxism, and that we do see that there is increasing conflict over the financial issues, and some seem to say, and and probably we need to be listening, as our leaders say, the debt doesn't really mean that much, or it's more important to do other things, the debt will take care of itself, or we will take care of this debt in the future at some point in time, that still is that trend slowly eking its way into our culture. Now, let me make one economic point about this. If you look at a $16 trillion debt today, we are paying interest on the loans that we have with various places, primarily China and Japan, at very, very low rates. These are abnormally low rates. If you take us back to a more uh, a more common or more historically prevalent rate of 6 to 7%, 5 to 7% on long-term debt, then the interest on our debt would be, and you used the term a while ago, it's not linear, it's exponential. 
And exponential means that it's going to grow at a significantly more rapid rate than it is today. So you add more debt and then you add higher interest rates on that debt, it gets out of hand very, very quickly. So those two points I wanted to to throw in and to indicate the absolute critical nature of this discussion of naturalism and socialism. Well, Ross, I know we're just about out of time today. We're not going to finish this, but underlying Marxism, socialism is a deeper ideology that most Americans do buy into. And that's the idea of naturalism or materialism fueled by an evolutionary worldview. Now, we have to go back and talk about that because everything that's built on the socialist Marxist ideology presupposes that God is not eternal. Matter is eternal. And that gets right back into the fact that we need to realize that worldview does matter. And, and most Americans don't realize even who Karl Marx was. I talked to one of my office colleagues and he said, isn't that the guy with the mustache and the duck? And so <laughs> it's just, you know, we need, we need to understand that the average American is not aware of this because they have been kept in the dark. So our show... Worldview Matters is critical at this juncture in American history and maybe even in human history. You know, I, I probably some of the, hopefully we do have a lot of uh, young listeners, but some won't even recognize what you said about the mustache and the duck. That, of course, was the Marx Brothers as opposed to Karl Marx. But uh, and that was Groucho, wasn't it? That's Groucho. That's exactly right. Groucho. Uh, you bet your life. Uh, but anyhow, that we're, as you say, we're approaching where we need to stop this show, and uh, we'll certainly pick it up right back where we are. But let's see if we can summarize the last 30 minutes. So we've got a launch point for the next show. I think what we're saying is that our society, our country, voted something the other day. They either overlooked something or voted for something or a combination thereof or are willing to accept certain things. We have said we're willing to accept a move toward a more socialistic society where we will take on increasing debt or we won't worry about the debt. We will have some sort of transfer of wealth or some transfer of responsibility and authority greater than we've had in the past from the individual to the government. Um, We probably see socialism as being okay because it's taking care of everybody, and certainly we want to take care of everybody. And then what we have brought in here is that that worldview which comes out of naturalism, has an end result with a Marxist ideology. So we're on a socialistic trend. Is that a fairly accurate observation from what we've said here? I think it is, Ross, and I think that in its current form, much of this is still very, very benign. But what what we need to understand as a culture and as individuals in this culture is that there is this worldview that supports it. And this worldview has an agenda. And this worldview, ultimately, if you look historically, and we can pick this up in our next show, but historically, Marxism has been incredibly oppressive 
and it's created economic stagnation, and it's ended up in the deaths of millions and millions of people. I don't think your average American sees that that's where socialism is going. But if you continue on a line and don't deviate from it, you're going to end up at the end of that line. And Ross, that's what we have to, we we have to blow the trumpet about that. These are trends and certainly the trends are picking up speed and uh, we've reached a milestone, a plateau in this last election, and it certainly gives us a direction that we seem to be going in. Bob, our time has run out for the day, but please, folks, come back and give us your ideas. And give us your thoughts about what we're saying. We recognize that this discussion is one that's going to be very, very volatile, and that's great. We need to discuss these things in this marketplace of ideas that we're living in. And come back, we'll talk about it again. Bob, thanks so much for great interaction. And I look forward to being with you again next time. Always good to be with you, Ross. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.